episode 88, social media best practices for the enterprise. Welcome to the PR Playbook Podcast, the only podcast giving you actionable skills and advice you need to execute a strategic PR program. Warning, what you hear next may lead to brand awareness and increased sales and customer exposure. Now, here's your host, Rinjini Joshua. Hello, and welcome to episode 88. Today, we're going to be talking about social media best practices for B2B businesses. Today, we have Jenny Karn. She's a CEO and co-founder of Lumino Digital on our podcast. Hi, Jenny. Nice, nice to meet you. Thanks for joining. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. So this is obviously a really big area for a lot of people who are marketers, PR people, startups, all these, all these companies um, that are really trying to understand where they need to fit in the social media landscape. I always have my opinions, but you know, people have to hear it from other people sometimes. So um, that's why you're here today. Why don't you uh, give us a quick background about you, where you started off um, and we'll dive into it. Yeah, sure. Uh, so I started my career actually in journalism and being one of the youngest reporters working with uh, some older editors uh, was teaching them how to use Facebook to find better stories, how to interact with our readers and, and kind of hear from them, make it a two-way communication. And uh, it, it was a challenge to get some of them to change their ways, but I pretty quickly realized that uh, newspaper editors and newspapers in general weren't the only business that we're probably going to be using Facebook in this way. And that if I opened it up to different types of businesses, uh, it would probably be more lucrative. <laughs> so I became a social media consultant just a few years into my career. Uh, and I've been doing that for 10 to 15 years now. Oh, wow. Yeah, Th that I mean, that's perfect segue into my, my list of questions here. And I think, yeah, if people, it, you, surprisingly, brands still have a lot of trouble navigating social media, um, especially when they're like deeper tech, right? Like when they're super in the enterprise and um, right. they feel like it's not, doesn't, it's not consequential for them to be on social media. And from what I understand from your background also, like you really also specialized in LinkedIn and the power of email marketing. And so I want to make sure that we touch on those couple of things and why they're so important, how you can use them. I've been really talking to a lot of our clients about leveraging LinkedIn to its full potential. And especially in, during the pandemic, I mean, people were on LinkedIn connecting, doing all kinds of things all the time. And now LinkedIn has this new suite of like creative tools and things like that. So I think that's a really big opportunity for a lot of enterprises that, that can still come in, you know, I wouldn't say early, but kind of early with like doing some really interesting things on LinkedIn. But I want to, I'll talk about that in a second. First, what I want to, I want to talk about mistakes. What do you think are some of the common mistakes or misconceptions that brands make when it comes to jumping into their social media? Uh, so what I want to be is the friend that tells you it's okay to stop doing that. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I assume you also are an overachiever type. Um, and we, we tend to think, oh, I have to do this. I have to be here. I have to be doing this. Um, and, and I think a lot of brands get that way about social media, um, especially if there's something new to the market. Oh, you know, oh, everybody's talking about 
right. Instagram or everybody's talking about TikTok. We need to be doing that. Um, and you keep wanting to add, but you never stop to assess whether the other social channels that you already have are still working for you. So like I said, I started with Facebook and I was one of the earliest making the case to businesses to get on Facebook. But today, right now for B2B organizations, I'm challenging you to, to really look at your metrics and answer the question, is Facebook doing anything for you? Are you actually engaging with an audience there? Or are you just spending a lot of time and energy and resources creating content to feed a beast that's producing nothing for you? Well, what kind of metrics should they be looking at? It, it depends, of course, on the organization. Um, you know, are you looking to engage with your audiences? And I, I am using the word audience, not customer intentionally, because I do think that businesses have a lot more audiences than just their customers. That is an important stakeholder group and one that certainly in marketing we're very focused on. But large enterprises also have a huge number of employees that they might be trying to engage. And perhaps Facebook is a great place to reach them. Um, maybe you have a Facebook group and, and you're able to communicate with employees there. Maybe you have a Facebook page that a lot of employees follow. Um, so, so that could be an important stakeholder group. Um, I also work with organizations that are less focused on customers, um, but maybe their stakeholders are more their member groups. You know, If you're an association, for instance, and you wanna communicate with your members, um, so it, it's really just, it's always goes back to what are we trying to accomplish and whom are we trying to reach? And then from there, we can figure out what metrics we should be looking at to see whether we're achieving those goals and reaching those audiences. So as you're talking, in my mind, as a PR person, understanding like the depth of content creation and how long it takes, I'm just thinking like, oh my God, this is like, a, this is a full-time job. And I think- <laughs> I think, well, I think, I don't think that enterprises think it is. And, and a lot of the clients that we work with will be like, oh, well, you could just create content for us, like on top of what you're doing, like it's no big deal. But if you're assessing metrics and if you're looking into things the way you're, you're saying, um, and you're explaining here, I mean, it really is a job. I don't know if it's a full-time social media person, if it's part of the marketing person's job or whatever the situation is, but it is a really, really deep job that can really affect your bottom line is, I mean, how do you feel about that? Absolutely agree. And it, it's so many different hats and skill sets as well. There's right. the data analytics piece, which that requires a very analytical mind to look at numbers and then turn that into something actionable and insightful based on what you're seeing. That's right. a skill set. And then you think of the clever tweets that get picked up and, and shared and retweeted, that's a, a whole skill set of being witty and clever and concise with your words. And then you think of the image that goes along with it and how popular video is and how all of the algorithms tend to favor video. Video editing is its own certain skill set. And then there's the marketing component where you're really focused on your audience and understanding what they want almost psychology. So, I mean, that is so many different skill sets. And we're often thinking that, you know, the intern that we hire for three, <laughs> you know, we, we hire for a, a, a semester is going to be able to manage all of that for us effectively. Wow. And, you know, if it doesn't work well, social media is not for us. It's like, right. Put enough yeah, into no, it. I think most of us are just doing it wrong. Yeah. I, I think that's really why brands come to us. You know, they, they, they feel like, 
they're kind of throwing spaghetti against the wall and to yeah. see what sticks, but there's nobody really going back and looking at that wall, for instance, in, in that right. metaphor and identifying what worked and what didn't in any sort of strategic way so that they can next month do something closer to what works. Um, they're, they're not even agreeing on what works. They're not aligning the, the various departments. Like I said, there's so many stakeholders for these large enterprise groups. But you know, when I'm working with a large brand, it's, it's very uncommon, for instance, that the person in talent acquisition who posts jobs to LinkedIn is communicating with the marketer who's posting customer-facing messages on that LinkedIn. It's the same channel. You're wow. publishing from the same you know, account from your company, but you're not, those people aren't even communicating that they're, they're not rowing in the same direction at all. Yeah. Um, yeah well, no that, that's highly important, right? Alignment between the communication departments. Absolutely. And it, you hear a lot about marketing and sales alignment and how important that is. But I think on the channel LinkedIn, especially, but really all social media talent acquisition has got to be part of that conversation too, because employees and recruitment are so intertwined with your social media presence. That's where people are going to go to learn what it's like to be at your company, whether you want them there or not, they're going to take to the internet and find themselves on social media to see what your employees are saying about working for you. Yeah, no, that totally makes sense. I, I just, I, all these questions, like I have all these new questions now just from all <laughs> the stuff that you're saying, but let's look, maybe we'll just get on track and then I'll, I'll ask the ones that I feel are important. So this kind of leads to the, the question of how do you choose the presence that big, that's best for you? And, and I'm struggling asking you this question because you just address the fact that there's so many audiences. So if you're going to put your eggs in a basket, like, should you be doing that? Like, how, how can you navigate which, which channels to pick? So my recommendation to brands for 2022 is to do less, but also do more. And what I mean by that is do less noise and do more of what is impactful. So let's say you know that your customers are on LinkedIn. Well, then let's use LinkedIn to really focus on customers. Let's stop putting customer-facing messaging on Facebook where customers are probably not going to learn about a large B2B enterprise organization. That's oh, really yeah. what I'm looking for when I'm seeing my friends from high school having new babies or <laughs> um, you know, celebrating a friend's new engagement, that kind of thing. That, that content doesn't really align very well with B2B corporate messaging. But when I'm on LinkedIn, I'm looking to make new networking connections. I'm looking to improve my professional skills. I am very business-minded. So coming across messaging about business, making my work easier, better, uh, more impactful, that is a place where my brain is ready to receive that kind of messaging. And I would be interested and will want to click and learn more. So let's, let's really focus on LinkedIn for that customer-facing messaging. But then if you have a different audience, like your employees, maybe you're trying to hire a lot of young, fresh college grads. So maybe it makes sense for you to have a really strong Instagram presence. And it would be great for you to get some of those employees who look like the employees you want. Um, so your young, fresh college grads creating content that you're posting on that link on that Instagram account. So people so you really have get, the you have the right voice. Exactly. They're, they're seeing 
exactly what they could be if they came to work there. So you're really attracting them with that kind of look and feel of, of what you want to get. Yeah. I mean, yeah, this is like, I, this is, again, it's like just, it's not uncharted territory, but it just seems like a slippery slope. I feel like it's just like a, I can get sucked up into this for like a whole month. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So you're kind of doing more of what's working by doing this analysis. Now you suggested maybe like having that voice pre present, like that young voice, let's say if you're attracting young people or depending on who you're audience is how do you get all these people with these maybe different tones but saying the same message how do you get that message of community like you're just talking about hr is not talking to marketing or whatever like how do you get that in line what is your strategy or best practice on that so i i'll give kind of two answers here the first is a bit of a cop out i'll admit which is social media is not going to override your culture. If your company culture is, heaven forbid, toxic or uh, very negative or um, you know, maybe overly formal, mm -hmm. it is unlikely that you're going to be able to elicit quality, authentic content from your employees that they're going to want to share on social media. So company culture does have to be part of the equation. But let's assume you have a, a solid company culture <laughs> and we're not touching that. We're focused on the social media aspect. Yeah. Um, I think that employee engagement programs can be wildly successful if run correctly. There are all sorts of tools and platforms out there uh, on the tech side to help you execute this. Uh, but at its basic, this employee advocacy program is a situation where you invite stakeholders and certain employees uh, to join and you give them messaging that they can use in their own ways on their social. And I think that the, the real key to success on these is to make it a two-way street. So not only are you asking them to help amplify your messages, but you need to be giving the employees some value too. So maybe you're helping them build their own personal brands by giving them access to insights or industry content that they wouldn't be able to curate and share on their own. Uh, you know, maybe that is the value that you're offering them. Uh, maybe kind it's turning more your like employees, in, turning your employees into like ambassadors, basically. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, I, I feel like. <laughs> Oh yeah. I feel like that's, again, like these are, these are big things that I do think that social media is such a big component at this point. Like I would say maybe five years ago, people weren't even thinking along these lines. There's no way that they would have devoted a whole, you know, department to this. But I, I definitely think now that it's become such an important part of, like you said, recruitment sales, like those are really, you really need to look at this in a more serious way. Right. Absolutely. And I mean, the, the competition for talent right now is just bananas. Yeah. Every company is struggling to fill roles at every level. So the talent acquisition piece, I think is going to be even bigger in 2022. We're going to have to do more to kind of pull that curtain back and let employees see what it's like to work at your organization and give them real authentic glimpses into it to get them excited about coming to work for you, with you, on your team, because uh, it, it's it's really tough right now. There are a lot of organizations hiring and offering 
And people want to, to land in a place that they believe they're going to be happy. I think 2020 and COVID and this whole past two years experience has, has made us reprioritize things. And we're not accepting a, a place that makes us miserable right. at, to work at anymore. That's just not going to, to be okay with people. So yeah. we're, we're making our decisions very carefully about where we're going to work. Yeah, no, that's true. Okay, going back to LinkedIn, and I just want to, you know, touch on this a little bit more because I really want to focus in on, you know, cool things that you could do on LinkedIn to make things work. And I, I want to kind of tap into your specialty and your ex- expertise here. Okay, let's say I'm a brand and I've decided LinkedIn is the channel for me. What are some things I can explore in ways that I can shape the content that I post on LinkedIn or how I can, well, let's start with that one and then I'll go to the next one. (laughs) Yeah, so I I do love LinkedIn uh, for a lot of large corporations. I think that that is such a great place to reach people. Like I said, they're in the right mindset when they're on that platform, they're thinking about business. So it, it makes your messaging feel more authentic and something that is welcome rather than a strange distraction from the reason that you're on the platform. So for that reason, it makes a ton of sense to be there. When you start to share content, I mean, what we see over and over and over again in the analytics is celebrating real people who work within your organization is a winner every time. Every time you put an employee's smiling face in a post and talk about something awesome that they're doing, that is going to get a lot of engagement from your workforce, from from customers. Everybody right. loves to see those kind of build you up sort of stories. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's very common for people to want to link to their website a lot from their social okay. posts. And LinkedIn is a challenging one for that. Um, the, the LinkedIn algorithm doesn't like you to send people away from the LinkedIn platform. They want to keep mm. people on LinkedIn. That's why you'll often see influencers, uh, you know, people with big followings, they don't share a link preview. They tell you the link is in the comments. And that way they still get all those impressions. The, the algorithm is still showing it to the maximum number of people and people who are actually interested will scroll down and still click in the comments. Um, but you're, you're making sure that the LinkedIn algorithm isn't dinging you for having a link preview. Um, so that's, Uh, what about, what about leveraging like profiles on LinkedIn, you know, like LinkedIn, like how they're creating all these like sub pages and all those kinds of things. Yes. So I definitely think it makes sense to utilize those tabs that are available. Um, some of them are only available if you're spending a certain amount with LinkedIn, like the life tab, for instance, that comes when you're spending a certain amount in LinkedIn ads um, for job placements. Um, but that's a great place to, again, pure, give people a, a look behind the curtain, what it's actually like to work within your organization. Um, I, I think you get five, I'm not sure what the exact terminology is, but sort of five panes within that tab. And I encourage brands to take advantage of that if you have access to it, because people who are interested in applying they're going to research there for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. What about not just, you know, on the HR side, but on the, let's say sales side, you know, like, Mm -hmm. because I know we have like, um, I don't know if it's called a feature page or something like that. So like, just as an agency, you know, we have our agency page and then there's like product, like product 
pages and like all these different things that you can now use as resources on LinkedIn. What's, and just, you just mentioned, you know, LinkedIn doesn't want you to be sent away from LinkedIn. So how do you think we can, how do you think people and brands or businesses can optimize that navigation within LinkedIn to create some kind of lead there? Yeah, I don't, some of these features are new enough that I don't have analytics from any of my client partners to say with hundred percent certainty, but I do think that if you're creating posts that are linking to those tags, the LinkedIn algorithm is going to love that and is going to want to show that. Um, You see polls, for instance, are getting incredible impressions. Uh, It seems like LinkedIn is really rewarding using that poll feature and showing it to a lot of people. So we've had a lot of success with uh, poll questions. And I think the key there is to ask a question where people want to know what other people answered enough that they will give up their answer in order to find out. Um, So that's kind of the gaming it, if you will, strategy that we've found. But um, to go back to something else we've already talked about, employee advocacy, I really think that is the best way to, quote, game LinkedIn, is if your page is publishing something, getting your employees to like it, to comment, to share it, those are the best ways to really amplify your reach. You're going to get in front of so many more people. You're getting exposed to their entire network. So if 10 of your employees each have 500 connections and they comment on your post, it's going to all of their connections in addition to the people who've already followed your page. So getting your employees involved and interested and engaged with your social strategy, that is the best way to amplify your reach on LinkedIn. Yeah. And LinkedIn even gives you that little button that says like share with your employees, right? Notify your employees or something like that. Yes. Which uh, my my caution there is you don't want to overuse it. If you're constantly blasting your employees, they're not going to pay attention. But, you know, once a month, I think is probably a cadence that people could tolerate. So if you have an exciting announcement or, or news, that, that would be a great or opportunity for you to use that feature. Uh, and, and I've seen brands have a lot of success with it when they do. Yeah. I mean, I think that's one of the other things to note is like, just because it's a business profile uh, platform for like your, like your professional life doesn't mean it's not still personal to that person and how they're using it. Because I know one of our clients, like, basically they think they own the employees and so they, that they can force the employees to do whatever they want on LinkedIn. So I know they have that like weird strategy, but it's just, I mean, it's just like Facebook. It just happens to be a professional network versus friends and family. Yeah. I mean, I think companies can try to dictate what people, what their employees do on LinkedIn, but I, I think that people will see through that. If it is that stilted, if it is that forced, um, I think that will come across in the content, how it's written. It won't feel authentic to the person and it it won't achieve your goals. Um, So I definitely would recommend the carrot over the stick approach here where you want to create a program that has benefits for the employees so that they want to take part, not force them or punish them if they don't. Yeah, no, I mean, that's, that seems like a universal truth. (laughs) Um, So, okay. So we're posting on LinkedIn. We're doing all these best practices. Uh, You've given us some really cool little tips as well. 
what are some of the metrics again that we should be monitoring here like that matter to how we shape our content and that should that should basically inform um what we need to change yeah i do think this is always going to vary based on the particular organization and and what their business objectives are but are you trying to educate are you trying to build relationships are you trying to sell um, are you trying to hire any of those goals are going to have metrics attached to them. So, you know, hiring your metrics are going to be people looking at that life tab, people visiting your careers page, people hitting the apply button, people actually getting hired. Ideally, your system is sophisticated enough that you can track that. So if somebody is engaging with you on LinkedIn and then they go to your website and then they fill out the application and they eventually get hired, ideally your system would be able to follow that journey the whole way so that you can say, hey, this person learned about us on LinkedIn and now they work here. That's a, a true conversion in that scenario. Um, so many businesses, I think, assume it's too hard or they don't have time or it's too late. Like we're, we're already in this, we're doing this, we've been doing it too long to go back and build that infrastructure. But it's so critical to know whether what you're doing is working. And that gives you this beautiful gift of being able to let go of something that's not working for you. So you don't have to do this busy work if it's not driving results, if it's not doing what you set out to do with it. Okay, you mentioned something really interesting there. And I always have conflicting feelings about it where like, you know, you are doing something, you have like this process in place, you, you know, you've committed to this one, I don't know, methodology or strategy. And now you're realizing, okay, this isn't working. I need to change it. I need to shift it. What does that look like? Because like, you don't want to have a sense of like discontinuity, or at least in my feeling, like, I don't want it to look or feel all of a sudden it looks and feels completely different than it, like last week because um, it's a brand new year and I've decided on a new strategy. I'm just cutting out the old one. Like what is a good way to like transition if that's you find out that it's not working? Yeah, that's a, a good point. Um, and certainly you wouldn't want to do it a lot. You know, this month we're doing this strategy and next month it's that strategy and the right. following month it's, you know, that, that would be uh, not a good user experience. But I would say, Attention on social media is so short-lived anyway. And if you're having a lot of anxiety about that, what will people think? They're probably not thinking about you that much. They're probably not going to notice. They're probably not following it that closely. And hey, if they are, you probably shouldn't delete that channel. You know, like it, it's probably working for you if you have an audience that's engaged closely enough. Enough to make a comment. Enough. To yeah. notice, right. Yeah. Um, I, I'm talking to the brands who are still posting five times a week on Facebook and literally getting one or two likes on a post, no comments, two likes, that's it. And they're still publishing five days a week. I mean, there's so many brands who fall into that category and how that do you know what's the best, what is, what is the best practice on that? Like, how do you know, because, okay, let's say, okay, this is actually a perfect example. Let's say I'm posting five times a week. And like, like you said, some of them get engagement. Some of them don't, it doesn't seem to have a rhyme or reason to, in my eyes, like what, what should I be looking at to know? Like, okay, you know what? We could probably just do two days a week. We don't have to do five days a week. How do you know that? 
that's the beauty of digital and social is that we have analytics. We can track, we can test. So, okay, we've been doing five posts a week. Let's try two posts a week for the next month and then re- look at our analytics and see what changed. Did visits to the website plummet? That might be a sign that we do need to be doing five times a week. Gotcha. And we've only lost one month. You know, it's it, we can quickly ramp right back up to five times a week. That if you've already been doing that, it's easy to go back to it. Right. Um, you have to be willing to experiment, basically. Exactly. And and you have those analytics there to help guide that decision. So I mean, every month we're looking at those numbers and and making decisions about what we want to do and try next month. Yeah, I've never done a deep dive. So let's say I want to do an audit of my social media. And I don't even know at this point, I wouldn't even know if it's my personal profile or if it's my company profile. And you could kind of, I would love to get your insight on that. What does an audit look like to see what I need to do as a next step? That is such a great question. I love an audit. I always like to look (laughs) at competitors as well see what they're doing and kind of help establish some benchmarks. This is one area where I feel like LinkedIn is really failing us corporate marketers in Mm. that they will not allow you to see an an analytics for pages you're not an admin of. So I don't, I can't do any competitive benchmarking on LinkedIn. Well, unless, unless you're looking at like maybe likes or comments or something, right? Right. But you can't see how many impressions it got. And it's hard to know just, it's not really apples to apples. If you don't know how many people saw the post, you're not, you're not really getting a good sense, um, just by looking at those likes or, or comments. Um, you can just see, you can only see basically what they're posting. You don't know if it worked. Exactly. (laughs) Exactly. Um, so I, I love to, to do that and, and kind of get a, a lay of the land to see what others in my peer group are doing and, and what's working for them. Your question about personal versus the business page is a great one. I think size of organization has a lot to do with that. The smaller your organization is, the more you can probably lean into that personal side versus the the business page. But for large organizations, you want that account to be much larger than any one person because your organization is going to out, outlast any one person, ideally. Let's hope, Let's hope right? <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's a good point because, yeah, you know, I, I we work in a boutique kind of environment, so we, we have a small amount of people. A lot of people are looking at me personally versus uh, the company as well, but we've actually been doing a lot more in social as a company over the last year, so I think that would give us a lot of insights too. But yeah, I mean, uh, I mean, we did the same thing in PR. We do basically, we do a competitive audit and we say, okay, what are the competitors doing? Should we be looking at them? Do they look like they're doing a good job? Are you losing to them? Are you winning to them? You know, based on that, we kind of adjust, but you're right. Like without seeing any kind of metrics, is it's hard to really pinpoint it. But it's just a good way to get a good idea of it, right? Like it's just giving you a gauge. Yeah, but I think generally you're going to be looking at three to four metrics. So the first one is impressions. How many people are seeing our content? Um, So that's not just followers. Back in the old days of of social media, that number was basically the same number as your the number of followers your page or account had. The olden days. Oh, the olden days. Right, the olden days of social media. But (laughs) as uh, 
monetization has happened across the platforms, that's no longer really how it works. Um, people who aren't following us can see our content all the time. Um, and then of course, like we said, with the employee amplification, you can get in front of a lot of eyeballs. Again, people who weren't following you. So impressions is really what I would look at. Then you've got engagements. How many people are engaging with our content, liking, commenting, sharing. Then you have what's happening on our website as a result. So how, how many people are actually moving from that social platform to our website? That's something that I would be looking at. And then lastly, if possible, you want to be looking at conversions. How many people are signing up for our newsletter or downloading different assets or applying for a role or submitting a, a request for more information? So those are kind of the four main buckets of, of analytics that we're, we're looking at when we're doing one of these audits. Okay. So I'm going to be auditing this week and seeing what's going on. <laughs> just, I'll do it myself. I might have to just like post a link to it just so people could see that I tried it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, okay. So any, like, you know, obviously like I love to have tips and things that people can take away. I think you've already given us quite a bit to kind of chew on, but um, any last best practices or tips or hacks that people can implement starting the new year. I mean, we're starting for next week is like 2022. It's crazy. And it's a great time to kind of refresh. So what, what would you, what would you tell people going into the new year? Going into the new year, I want to give you permission to stop doing things that aren't working for you. Uh, this only works though, if you put in the work to figure out what is and is not working. So maybe 2022 needs to be the year when you really take a step back, you do that important audit work and build some of that technical infrastructure so that you can track visitors from social to the website and back and forth so that you can start to answer some of these questions about what channels work and what don't. So you can align your priorities with what's working and really double down on the things that are moving the needle and cut ties with the things that are not. And I predict Facebook pages might be on that list of things you, you can cut. Uh, we've added a lot of platforms over the years and nobody has really given us permission to go back and get rid of some. And I, I wanna be that voice telling you it's okay to let go of Facebook if it's not working for you anymore. So double down on the ones that are working, cut the ones that are like, seem like a waste of time. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay. Okay, good. I love that. And I always tell people like, look, there's a platform for everyone. Not every platform is for you. So we do try to get people to focus in, but it's really hard because like, they feel like peer pressure or something, I think. Yes. <laughs> absolutely. It feels weird to not have a Facebook. It's just it makes people uncomfortable. We've had one for so long. We've been telling businesses for so long that they've got to try this. They finally did. And now 10 years later, it's time to reassess that. Yeah, absolutely. Jenny, thank you so much. This has been like full of little Easter eggs. And I think um, so many good little tips um, that we can sprinkle throughout our strategy. If um, anybody needs to find you, and I'll have this in the show notes, but where can they find you? Uh, feel free to check out our website. We just redesigned it this month, luminodigital.com. Uh, and you can send us an email at shout at luminodigital.com. Oh, very nice. Thank you. Well, happy holidays. Happy new year. Thank you so much for joining me and being a guest and see you later. 
Thank you so much. I had a great time chatting with you.